0: Praise the Lord, thank you very much. Can we give God just a great clap today too? Yeah. Worthy of all our praise. all our adoration, just no one like Him. It's always such a pleasure to be here in the Hawaiian Islands, I guess for my 60th trip, I can't remember. And um, people go, "You've gone on vacation a lot?" And I said, "Well, I've never really gone on vacation in the Hawaiian Islands." I've come and ministered and had a few days off, but it's always a privilege to be here. Let me open this water real quick. I woke up this morning, and it already sent the staff my message. In fact, I recorded it last night, and um, it was taped and being shown in all our other campuses. And all that was well and good until, as I opened my eyes, the Lord totally changed what I was going to speak on. So while everyone else is listening to one message, you're hearing another. Um, Let me pray, then, preface my remarks. Holy Spirit, what an hour we live in. The world's turmoil all around us. Now in Maui, there in Lahaina, which I've been there many times, A brutal fire has shaken these islands and drawn the attention of the world. What do you have to say to us? What are you saying right here, right now? Why would I wake up this morning and you drop something completely different to say? Help us, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to entitle this message, Visited. It's a word you find both in the Old and New Testament. It's not used often. It basically, you hear the word visited, it is describing an unusual manifestation of God. A moment where God shows up in such a way that people realize this just marked my life. This just marked my family, my country. And that word is found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's found a few times, but it happens often in Scripture and I might add in history. I'm going to subtitle the message this, Recognizing and responding to the Holy Spirit's visitation. I want to help you recognize where we are right now. But even more importantly, I want to help you recognize what is in the process of happening in this church right now. I want you to recognize it so you can respond. To it There's an interesting verse in Isaiah 55 verse six. It says, "Seek the Lord while He may be found, call upon him while He's near." Now we know when we pray in faith, God can always be found. That's true. We know that in Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, "We who were so far away have been brought near." But there are unique moments in the Bible, and I might add for that, unique moments in human history where God seems nearer, where more of his presence bleeds through out of the invisible. How many of you have ever been in a time where you felt like, man, I really felt God? Raise your hand. Wave at me so I'll see you. There we go. We've all had times that have been just marked, the majority of us, where, man, I knew God was really there. Maybe it was in a worship service. Maybe you, like me, have been in crisis as I lay dying. I'd been in a war zone as a young Christian worker. People killed, three-way war. Contracted hepatitis was dying. I mean, there's really no hope for me. My liver shot. And all of a sudden, it's like a tsunami wave of God's presence crashed into the room where I lay and I woke up healed the next morning. We're in a time, and I might add, not just in the world, not just, but right here, right now, in this campus of this great church, you're coming into a season where God is drawing near in an unusual way. Your homes, your lives, your jobs, and these services. I want to help you very practically recognize that so you won't miss it. I'm gonna take a moment before I cut into this message, talk a little bit about the world, a little bit about the United States, a little bit about the Hawaiian Islands. I want to help you understand where we are in the world. And I want to say, Nothing takes God by surprise. God's not surprised by anything. Furthermore, nothing happens on the earth, he says, unless God shares it with someone. There's always some human or humans that God's given some foreknowledge to of what happens so they can pray and prepare Acts 3, 19, and 20, and you'll see it in front of you. Peter quotes this in a sermon after the day of Pentecost where God visited the very place where Jesus had been murdered a couple of months earlier. And now there's a church of thousands growing and fire and wind just have come down. And he says, repent, therefore. This is a very crowd, some of which would have yelled for Jesus to be crucified that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. There are special times in the Bible called times of refreshing. And such a time is coming upon the world again. Why would I believe that? Why would I sit here and tell you that? I believe that for two quadrants of reasons. One, for a number of years now, I've had impressions of this time coming on us. And much of what I've seen is already being fulfilled. But secondly, it's observable now you can begin to see it, you can feel it. In The history of the United States, and I can talk about the world, I won't. Multiple times in our history, God has intervened at historic crossroads to help us. Before the Revolutionary War, First Great Awakening, Before the Civil War, Second Great Awakening. I might add in the Second Great Awakening, one of the most powerful outpourings of the spirit in the Second Great Awakening took place in the late 1830s, early 1840s right here in Hawaii. Thousands of people were saved. Do you realize in the 1830s and 40s, the largest church in the whole world was on the Big Island of Hawaii? 10,000 people. God swept through the Hawaiian Islands. Right before the Civil War began, a massive move of the Spirit swept the northern cities. Some called it the prayer revival. Some called it the third great awakening. A businessman named Jeremiah Lamphere began to call business people to pray, and it swept the cities. Swept all through the Civil War. Swept through the Union Army, the Confederate Army. God's into politics, by the way, a lot less than you and I are. For World War I, World War II, an old one-eyed African-American preacher, God moved on. He and a small African-American congregation, which grew into a multi-ethnic church, swept the whole world. The 1960s, America convulsing politically. Great things were happening like the civil rights movement. Bad things were happening like rampant immorality and drug use. What they called the summer of love, better stated, the summer of immorality in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco in 1967, I believe, maybe 68, it's not in front of me, it's not in my notes. God showed up too. Began what was called the Jesus Revolution. God visited my torn generation, saved us by the hundreds and thousands and even millions. In 1971, it got to San Diego. What was it like, Jim? Imagine what you felt here this morning, that presence. Multiply it five times. It landed in my public school with no one preaching. My public school was thousands. The, the, the juniors and seniors would go to school at 7 in the morning, be done by noon. Sophomores and freshmen would come at 1230. Thousands of kids. It was my senior year. I'll never forget it. Being saved became the thing to do. Kids were just spontaneously saved throughout my campus. Cool became saved. We'd worship at lunch, crying with a mighty presence, sometimes 100, sometimes 200, sometimes 250. God came to my school. and was caught up in that which swept a nation. Why would I believe that the world is once again getting ready to convulse in the presence of God? December 31st, 2018, sitting in the church where I've been an elder for many years, the large multi-site, multi-ethnic church in Nashville, Tennessee, our pastor's African-American. Great, amazing church. I'm typically the New Year's Eve speaker. Our Happy New Year's Eve service is going to turn into the unhappy New Year's Eve service. I was sitting had a, right before preaching that night, 9.30 that night, the last day of the year. I had a series of impressions of the Holy Spirit of America shaken. Economy diving. New York crushed by something I couldn't understand people leaving the West Coast and moving east. I knew in 18 months we'd come to a time of just ethnic pain, God coming to reconcile our nation. That was 18 months before Mr. Floyd was killed. And I stood up and began to share all these things, hardly knowing what I was saying, fear of God on me, and I told him, this, our, our, it will not end in American anarchy. It won't end in America breaking up politically. Revival will come when we're halfway through. Drawn to the mountains in May of, that, of the next year, I think it was the 18th and 19th, it's not in front of me, I saw this river of death come out of China and killing every nation of the year I didn't know, of the year. I didn't know it was COVID. Because I got involved in the prayer movement, who knows how many, a few hundred million people joined, in 191 nations walking through COVID, and what would God do And seeing the pain and on the phone with great leaders? I realized the world's going to come out of this. God is going to meet us. God's never surprised. It was October 2022, sitting with leaders from the Ukraine, pastors, I said, you're going to be invaded by Russia. Don't be afraid. God will slap the bear's paw. I love Russia. I've worked with churches in Russia, been there. Sat in my office the week before the invasion. He said, next week Russia will invade. Don't be afraid. I'm going to awaken all of Eastern Europe, and this will prove to be more deadly for Russia than Afghanistan. Never surprised, beloved, don't be afraid. June 9th of last year, it's like, Lord, let me hear his son praying. This impression in my head of Jesus praying one more time, one more time. I knew he was praying for revival. The father said, one more time. And I saw raindrops begin to fall in America. August 24th, Birmingham, Alabama, up to visit a friend praying. I laid down and I had this impression of the U.K., the Queen's illness was not public knowledge at the time. It wasn't being talked about. The average person didn't know, maybe her doctors and family knew. The Union Jack was lowered to half mass, whole nation weeping, breaking, crying. I thought, "My God, what's died? Who's died?" Jesus grabbed the lanyard of the Union Jack. It went screaming to the top. He said, "I've not forgotten my glory. Watch what I do in the U.K. I'm going to move." In fact, he said, "I am going to open." I'm gonna open wells all around the world. A week later he said, when the queen dies, you've had the sign you've waited for, I'm coming afresh. What does it mean for you, what does it mean for me? Finally, February 3rd of this year, sitting in front of my world map, I saw rain squalls, rainstorms, thunderheads, thunderstorms crossing America, and God just immersing things, the next week, Asbury, where part of our Every Nation family, we have a church just a few miles from there. One stoplight, little school of 3,000 people became the center of the Christian universe. Over the next couple of weeks, 70,000 people visited. Students from 200 universities, people from from 50 nations. Why? that? not preaching. A little wooden chapel, no cool sound effects, very hard pews, Student, the presence of God so thick students would pull their mattress and didn't want to leave and sleep there. Cars lined up for two and a half miles to get in. People waited nine hours for a seat in the weather. Why? God visited. When God visits, all bets are off. When the presence of God pours out, darkness flees. Diseases are healed. Broken kids come back. Families are saved. It's clear in Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation that God visits. If what I'm saying is true and it is, this will be the second time in my life he's visited the world in a major way. Why'd he wake me up this morning and his presence come on all, all over me and I threw a message out And I saw so clearly by the impression of the Holy Spirit, a cloud of rain come right over this building. And God said, I'm coming to visit them. When you look in Genesis 21.1, it talks about Sarah. She's long past menopause. Husband was 98. That's not normally how many of you know the age where you're thinking about childbearing. God forbid, they have been waiting 25 years to conceive a child. All hope was gone. Abraham, 98, she was 89, I can't quite remember, it's not in front of me, the story, maybe 88. God made a house call. Abraham looked out, saw three beings way out in the desert. Many would have thought it was a mirage. Abraham still says, realize God's there. The old man stumbled out into the burning heat of the desert, fell face down in the burning sand and said, please, come home with me. I know it's you, come home with me. God and the angels came into his tent. The rest is history. He spoke to Sarah. A year later, it says this, the Lord visited Sarah, as it said. She held a child named Isaac. Named him Laughter, because God had the last laugh. He'll visit you. You ever been visited? Ever had the presence of God just come upon you when I lay dying of hepatitis, liver destroyed, out of the jungles? He visited me. In my delirium, in my death throes, it was as if a tsunami wave the biggest surfing wave you've ever seen cascaded down into my room and I woke up healed the next morning. He'll visit you. Hannah had a great marriage, no child. She didn't know what to do. Husband had taken a younger wife even though he loved her to have children. Hannah was in agony year after year, barren, no hope. One day she went crazy in church praying. The old tabernacle, the high priest Eli said, why are you drunk at church? Sobbing, weeping, breaking, and broke through. It says of Hannah, the Lord visited her, and she conceived. God doesn't just visit individuals. He visits nations. Moses was 80, wanted for murder in Egypt. 40 years, broke, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Such amazing promise at 40, now at 80 in the backside of the desert. His people enslaved for over 400 years. Radical, infanticide being practiced. Killing little boy babies. He looked and saw a bush on fire, didn't burn up. He drew close, and God said, fall down, it's me. And in the burning sands, the voice of God came to Moses, changed his life forever, and changed the life of a nation. When he got to Egypt and gave them the signs God had given them in Israel, the Bible says in Exodus 4.31, when they heard the Lord had visited them, they bowed down. God visits nations. Churches. As the presence of God descends down in a church, the saints are renewed. Those who've never met Christ are drawn. Every human, no matter what their religious belief, from atheist to whatever you want to say, they were born to function best in the presence of God. Pastor Norman, who's here, will tell you he and I have prayed over a, a, many of the greatest leaders in Hawaii. Prayed over many of your leaders. I don't even want to, you to know their names. Many of them did not believe in God hardly when we met them. But when the presence of God would come in that room, they'd break. Ruth, recently widowed, husband gone. Naomi, husband gone. Starving, living in Moab. Naomi embittered. It said when they heard that God had visited Bethlehem in Ruth 1.6. They went home. In Acts 15, 14, Peter's there at Jerusalem Council, one of the ones that shared God has visited the Gentiles. He said, I'd written the Gentiles off. I was a Jew. I wanted nothing to do with them. But God visited me and told me, call nothing unclean. Someone's coming to your door. Go with them. I went. Happened to be Roman soldiers, the hated oppressors. That day God visited the Gentiles, and we're the result of that. Luke 7, 16. Jesus began to preach in Israel. They said a great prophet has been raised up. He was more than a prophet, the Son of God. God's visited us. Throughout the Bible, God visits people. Throughout the Bible, He comes. Touches them. This morning, his presence came on me laying in bed, and I knew I had to tell you he's coming to visit you. Why is this such a priority? Well, for, you, only, you may only get one or two moments like this in a lifetime when there's a corporate visitation. Why is it so important in Luke 19, 41 through 44? Jesus drew near Jerusalem toward the end of his life, a week or so away from a brutal death, then his glorious resurrection. He began to cry. Was he crying because he knew he would die? No. He was crying because he knew they would die if they missed what his heavenly father was going to do. If they missed that moment, there'd be consequences for years. He said, Would you? even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, if you had only known that God was visiting you, if you only would have figured it out that God was drawing near to heal you and touch you, but now it's hidden from you. And because you missed it, the days will come when your enemies will set up a barricade around you. They'll surround you. This city will be torn to the ground. Your grandchildren and your children will suffer. 70 years later, Rome shattered that city. Why? You didn't recognize, you didn't realize the day of your visitation. You just didn't, see, you can be in the middle of it right here in this congregation with the spirit of God being poured out and miss it. Why would I say that? How many of you know Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Of course you do. But there was no room in the inn because no one recognized that night that that pregnant teenager would bear and give birth to the Son of God. They didn't realize history's greatest leader was in a teenager on a donkey. If they only would have known who wouldn't have opened their house for God to be born. Born in a barn, in ignominy. Humble shepherds saw it, angels sang about it. He grew up there. But no one realized that little urchin with his mother would change all of human history. No one realized that that little city had been visited with the most important birth in human history. They never realized it till the wise men came with all their retinue They never realized that the kings were bowing in front of that little hovel with a poor family and giving them unprecedented treasures. Then he was gone. Many wondered, why didn't I babysit him? Why didn't I have him to my house? How did I miss God being born? And then miracles, he was a miracle worker, the talk of a nation, and they thought, that was my neighbor, played in my streets. I want to help you understand how to see that, feel that, touch that. Your participation is so important that I'll talk about the process of how you find this. 1 Peter 2.12, Peter says, listen to me very carefully. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why does the way you live matter? There are a lot of reasons, but I want to be strategic. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, we live in a culture where our good deeds are called evil. To believe that life begins, at it's conception, it's considered by many bigoted, short-sighted. To believe that God really does have marriage in it, lifetime commitment, loving God. That doesn't mean if you're divorced, God can't restore you. People say, ah, that's bigoted. Marriage is a lot of things other than that. Why? We live in a day when our good is called evil. But God says, hold on to it. Because the day will come, the day will come, they'll remember all your good deeds and glorify God when he visits. If God was going to visit you, what would it be like? If God was going to slip into your life, step into your life, move into your life, you say, Jim, how would I know? Because you don't want to miss it. Trust me. How might you know what it's like? Revelation three twenty is a very well known verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him, and he with me. How many of you have heard that verse before? Especially altar call to lost people. God's knocking. Well, this isn't written to people that don't know Christ. It's written to people that do know Christ. It's a fair application, but it's written to people like you and I, people who've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. It's applicable to you whether you know Christ or not, but it's written directly to us. Here's what he's saying. I'm standing at your door, brother, your door, sister, the door to your heart, and I'm knocking. How's he knock? What's it like? If God was trying to get your attention, what would he do? Why is it important? Because if you hear my voice and open the door, may I say the door, the door of your heart is voice-activated. Maybe it'll come through one of Pastor Billy's messages. Maybe this message, maybe your heart will be open through my message, but maybe it's home. This is rhetorical. Don't raise your hand, but ponder it. You ever at home and all of a sudden you feel God's presence in a powerful way? All of a sudden you just feel God and you don't know why. It don't make sense. You associate that with church, but now it's home. Could it, be that you're, could it be that your phone's half off and he's vibrating you? Could it be that his presence is coming, I'm knocking at your door, I'm right here? When God's in the door of your heart, many times there's an infusion of his presence, an infusion of his power. Maybe a scripture comes to your heart. Maybe you hear the soft whisper of his voice, I'm here. Maybe you're overwhelmed in his love. Maybe on the screen of your imagination you see something. He's here. How do you open the door? You stop. Here I am. What do you want? Speak, I hear. Here I am this morning. I close my iPad immediately. What do you want? presence all over me, I looked up to heaven and I saw a holy squall of life-giving rain come to this congregation. If you open the door, I'm going to come in to your marriage, your life, your children, your church, your city. And I'm going to come in, and we're going to have a meal together. And I'm going to eat with you, and you're going to eat with me. And I'm going to fellowship with you, and I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to bless you. Like Elijah right out there, chased by Jezebel, wanting to die, half suicidal, feeling like a failure. God's journey is too much, and he visited him. And an angel, an angel basically brought him to some to-go food from his favorite restaurant. Ran in the strength of that meal 40 days. He's here. Standing at the door of this church. Standing at the door of your heart. Standing. Many of you have already felt his presence in this message. I close with this example. Same one I started with. Abraham, 98. Wife, 88, 89, I can't remember. All hope gone naturally. It was the heat of the day. You, 98, at the heat of the day, you're more than likely napping. He's, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be 69. I want to nap in the heat of the day already. He looks out in the desert, and if you've ever been in a desert, and I have, there are mirages. You think you see things, and you don't. The old man's eyesight probably failing him something. He looks out, he sees three beings just standing there, and heat waves are around him. You know how it looks on those roads. But he feels something. He goes, that's God out there. That's God out there. i felt him before I know it. This old man gets up and runs as fast as he run at 98, falls down in the burning sand. Don't pass me by. Come eat. Come in and eat with me. Come into my tent. Let me make a meal for you. I don't want anything. Just come in, I beg you. God says, Okay. came in. Abraham served him with his own hand, though he had a staff of hundreds. He was rich. Served him. Abraham, where's your wife? Sarah heard the word, and a year later, she had a baby. He's standing in front of your need. Standing in front of your family. Standing. Oh, Pastor Jim, what, what about Maui? So painful. May I tell you, if the enemy's meant for evil, God will use for good. He's going to flood Maui with his presence and life. God's put all the eyes of the world at Maui, that terrible disaster. Watch what God does next. You need his visitation. You were born to know his presence. You were born to drink from his life. The psalmist said, in the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore. right hand there's favor you say today I need a fresh visitation from God raise your hand if your hands raised stand and I'm going to stand with you he's here right now I'm going to invite Pastor Billy up with me the worship team will be behind me playing soon it's your hour it's your moment What me up to tell you, I'm coming to visit you. Raise your hands. Say, "Jesus, I need your visitation, your healing, your touch, your power. I need you to fill me with your spirit afresh." Take a deep breath. Breathe in that presence, exhale. Breathing again. Breathe in that presence. He's here. He's here. Standing at the door of your heart. Pastor Billy, come next to me for a minute. I want you as the pastor of this campus to say right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome your visitation. Pray that out loud. Holy Spirit, we welcome your visitation. We welcome your visitation, Holy Spirit. Breathe him in. Here he comes. His power is here. His presence is here. It's gonna begin to grow and grow. At night, you'll feel his presence. He'll invade your devotions. Set up time. Don't miss the time of your visitation.